This week, I take a virtual visit down to Brazil to visit my colleague, Alexandra Merlot, a technical manager for Companion Animals at Zoetis. We talk about the rapid growth of pet ownership in a country of over 200 million people, the career paths of veterinarians and the evolving standard of care in a country where 94% of the respondents in the recent HABRI survey said they have experienced the health benefits of the human-animal bond. So let's get to our vet visit with Alexandra. So welcome, Alex. Why don't you get started by telling our listeners what inspired you to become a veterinarian? Hi, Mike, and thanks for having me today in your podcast series. About me, I was born in Sao Paulo City, the biggest city in Brazil, a 12 million people city, but I was raised in Guarulhos, a city next to Sao Paulo. I lived in that city until I got married, and I always lived with many animals, particularly dogs and hens, believe me. However, if you asked me during my infancy and my adolescence, what do you want to be when you get older? I used to say, I want to be an agronomist. But at that time, I had no idea on what being an agronomist really meant. I just loved taking care of plants. Uh, it happens that during the high school, I had to decide for a profession. And I think that raising more than 20 dogs during my life made a strong difference towards veterinary medicine. But I should confess to you, Mike, when I joined the College of Veterinary Medicine, I had a very limited view of the profession. In fact, veterinary medicine was broader than I could ever imagine. So 20 dogs, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of dogs over the course of my life, but 20 is a lot. Any particular breed? No, no. Uh, you know, I, I used to live in a kind of a small farm in Guarulhos. So I raised, you know, uh, German Shepherds. I raised the Great Dane. So no specific predilection for any breed. Yeah, and I know dogs have always been very popular in, in Brazil. Uh, that's, that's not a new thing. But I also hear that more and more there's a growing interest in cat ownership. Can you tell us a little bit about that, maybe? Yeah, I see that. You know, I have never raised cats because I used to live in a farm and my dogs, all of them lived outside, you know. So it was not possible for us to raise cats because... Usually there were fights between dogs and cats whenever an uh, outsider, you know, uh, comes across the, the field of the, the farm. So, but I see a, a huge trend towards adopting cats. And in Brazil, this is true as well. So maybe tell me a little bit about your uh, professional background now, Alex. I know many veterinarians in Brazil build careers actually outside of traditional clinical practice. Have you ever worked as a practicing veterinarian yourself? Yes, Mike. Nowadays, I work for Zoetis as the technical and outcomes research manager for Companion Animals in Brazil. I am a graduate student from the School of Veterinary Medicine of Sao Paulo University. There, I did my residency in small animal clinics, and there I also got my master's of science degree in veterinary medicine. I worked with dogs with lymphoma 
and I evaluated the levels of two acute phase proteins during the treatment of them. I worked as a clinician for seven years in a private veterinary hospital in Sao Paulo. I lectured in a private school of veterinary medicine for two years, and then I joined a local pharmaceutical company where I worked for more six years. And then in 2013, I joined Zoedis. You know what? Time flew. I'll be turning 10 years of Zoedis next May, Mike. It's 20 plus for me, and, and I agree with the whole time flying fast part. I think that's one of the curses of, of, of age. It just things seem to accelerate as you get older. What, what can you tell us about what it's like to be a veterinarian in Brazil? Oh, it is basically a, a, a huge pleasure, Mike, being a vet in Brazil. Brazil has traditionally been seen as a rural country in which livestock is a predominant activity. It happens that there has been a change in this scenario. The pet segment where I work has experienced an enormous growth over the last decades. And I believe this is happening because Brazilians are really passionate for dogs and cats. And, you know, pets have been perceived as family members and there is a, a big change in that regards over the last decades. Yeah. So we mentioned a little while ago that not all veterinarians pursue a clinical practice for a career, but what what is a, say, a typical path from an education standpoint and a professional standpoint for veterinarians in, in Brazil? Okay. Look, Mike, there are more than 400 schools of veterinary medicine wow. across the country. Yeah. And in my opinion, this is a lot for a uh, 220 million people country. Uh, apart from the questions involving quality of these schools, I, I think there is a great opportunity for education. So undergraduate students and even already graduated veterinarians can benefit from the knowledge about uh, new technologies, new molecules, new services they can provide their clients with. And, and also, Mike, I think it is worth remembering that medicalization rates uh, of dogs and cats in Brazil are still very, very low, less than 20%. In other words, there is a big blue ocean of opportunities in Brazil. I know many of the countries in Latin America in general have experienced significant growth and change with regards to um, quality of care, standard of care, and pet ownership for that matter. But since you graduated, how, how has the veterinary industry changed uh, over that period of time? How has the standard of care evolved during that time? Uh, Mike, I graduated 24 years ago. And my God, when I think about that, I realize that I'm getting older very fast. <laughs> but uh, based on what I have seen so far, I would say that two things changed the most in the veterinary segment in Brazil over the last two decades. The first one, Mike, is that the profession is becoming a female profession. My guess is that more than 90% of undergraduate students in both private and public schools are women. When I was at the School of Veterinary Medicine, it was about half-half. And second, Mike, vets are looking for opportunities to specialize in a given area. 
the board certification, like you see in the US, in the EU, is not so common in Brazil, although it is possible. Uh, vets want to be dermatologists, surgeons, ophthalmologists, and I am completely in favor of being a specialist. But I still believe that undergraduate students must have a broad view of the profession before leaving the schools. And I mean, they should try not to specialize so early during the course. And I explain why. I have, for example, many classmates of the school who used to say, I want to work with livestock. And nowadays they are working with dogs and cats. Others used to say, I want to be a dermatologist of small animals, and now they are working with public health. So, in, in my opinion, the, the broader the view of the profession, the better will be either for vets and for the market as well. I think there are more chances for a versatile vet to find their space in the market. And I was a good example of that. When a student asks me about specialization, I used to say, I usually say, enjoy as much as you can while you are a student. Don't close any door that might be open for you. And then later you can decide about your specialization. I think that's tremendous advice, Alessandra, and it's it's interesting as well that uh, really what you've just described, these are scenarios that are very common around the world, particularly in the United States. You know, we, we have similar uh, demographic changes, for example, and similar conversations about whether to specialize or not. One of the things that I like most about veterinary medicine, no matter where you are in the world, is it opens up a litany of different opportunities for your career. It doesn't have to be straight clinical practice, but the thing about clinical practice is it, it improves your people skills. It, it improves your problem solving skills. And I think no matter where you go in veterinary medicine, starting out with a period of years in clinical practice is only going to make you better. Yeah, I agree, Mike. I think that, you know, versatility and flexibility are major characteristics of, you know, very well succeeded vets. And, mm. and this is why I, I, I say, try not to specialize so early. And there are many doors to be, you know, to be open and try them before deciding. That's very important. Very wise advice. Now, I, I know you're familiar with uh, the global human animal bond survey that, that Zoetis partnered with Habri to disclose uh, earlier this year. Now, what were the key takeaways for you uh, when you saw that uh, survey result for the first time? And, and was there anything that surprised you about the results, particularly in Brazil? Well, Mike, everybody knows that pets are very important for a human being life. But what impressed me the most in this survey is that Brazil achieved the highest Harbury score. It was 58.8 against a global mean of 57.9. Also, more than 80% of dog and cat owners in Brazil consider their pets as family members. And this rate is higher than the global mean as well. Uh, the, the way Brazilian pet owners perceive their pets does not surprise me at all. You know, I saw that many times while I was a clinician many years ago, and I still see that. But I could never imagine that Brazil, you know, 
could be uh, ahead of the US, for example, and even ahead of many EU countries uh, as well in that regards. So how do you think that happened? How did that evolve? You know, I have already mentioned that the Brazilians are passionate for their pets and pets are considered members of the family, even in the poorest families. We are Latins, you know, and although this might sound like a cliche, it has to do with passion. And, and passion does not distinguish human beings from animals. There is a global phenomenon through which people are preferring animals than humans are their children. And this only illustrates my point. But the other important thing for me is that people are now realizing the benefits of having a pet in terms of human well-being and health. We know as part of a medical area that there is a lot of research showing, for example, that a dog or a cat in a household can bring more happiness to the family, can help treat diseases like depression, anxiety. And in this survey, 94% of Brazilian pet owners were aware of that. And I thought that much less, 50% perhaps, could be aware of this. And this information really surprised me as well. Yeah, I, I think a number of us were, were surprised by how, uh, excuse me, by how well uh, Brazil did score in that survey. I don't think anyone uh, expected that. Uh, we expected to see the trend, um, but, the, but the numbers were, you know, quite amazing. You mentioned earlier in the podcast that there's over 400 veterinary schools in Brazil. And, you know, that leads to potentially some inevitable differences in, in standard of care and quality of education. And, but based on the strong bond between Brazilian pet owners and their pets, what needs or challenges do you see now in terms of raising the standard of care across all of Brazil? That's a great question, Mike. I could say that in Brazil, as in many other countries, vets frequently do not offer their clients the best that is available in terms of standard of care. And there is kind of a misconception. Many vets believe that they are stealing, in quotes, of course, their clients, if they offered the best medicines or the best services, because these items usually cost more. And I strongly disagree on that. Vets are paid to offer to their clients the best, regardless of the price. If, for example, I went to the pediatrician with my son or my daughter, and she prescribed for them a medication with the lowest price, or if she did not ask a specific exam because she believes I cannot afford it, I would get very, very angry at her. If the pet owner can't afford, then let's try another option. But we should let the pet owner decide. Uh, in my view, Mike, deciding is not a veterinarian's business. Prescribing the best, it is. And that's what I think. Do you agree with me, Mike? I, yeah, I think I do, Alex. I think, um, I think we like to throw around terms like the gold standard in veterinary medicine or human medicine for that matter. But I think at the end of the day, standard of care is on an ever-evolving continuum. And it comes down to uh, a quality relationship between the veterinarian and the pet owner 
fully informed pet owner deciding together what's the best course of care for that pet. And, and Mike, there is something that I must mention. Uh, the salaries in Brazil, the minimum salary in Brazil is about, you know, $240 per month. And about, you know, 35% of people survive with such a very low amount of money. Wow. Yeah. That means that although medicalization rates are very low, and the fact that most pet owners see their pets as family members, there is obviously a limitation in terms of what they can afford. And, and this is a hurdle for the best standard of care practice, you know? In other words, if a pet owner cannot buy their own food, what about spending lots of money on treatments for their pets? But I'm very optimistic. I think that we can try to educate people regarding a more responsible ownership. I prefer seeing less but well-treated pets than a high number of pets without appropriate care. And this is a path that we can try in developing countries like in Brazil. I don't know, does it make sense for you, Mike? It makes perfect sense, uh, Alex. And I, I think, you know, as, as a profession, we, we have to be more and more considerate of that a continuum of affordability of care as well. We cannot allow veterinary medicine to become something, a, a service that's only available to the very wealthy. That just cannot be the case. I think this human animal bond survey um, makes that extremely clear for all of us. That bond is, is a close one, a very, very important one throughout the world. And it uh, doesn't change depending upon your, your wealth. Uh, so as a profession, we have to find a way to deliver care to everyone that needs it. And I think as well, that's where prevention becomes more and more important, right? I, I think at the very least, we need to deliver appropriate preventative care uh, to keep those pets healthy from different types of infectious diseases that are easy and inexpensive to prevent. Exactly. I, uh, I completely agree with you, Mike, in that regard. Yeah. So, you know, in the U.S., um, you know, we look back over the decades and we often say that pets moved from our backyards and into our homes and even into our beds. Um, uh, I'm curious, are you seeing a similar trend? Uh, well, Mike, uh, we see the same trend here in Brazil. Uh, it's kind of a global phenomenon. Uh, and I tended to believe that most pet owners moved their pets to beds without knowing the implications of that. Zoonosis, for example, how many pet owners know the risks of having a dog or a cat indoors? Uh, poops and pees on the bedroom floor, we know that is not only about that. So worms, leptospirosis, you know, tick-borne disease, uh, uh, flea-borne diseases. And, and I think that we must invite pet owners to talk about that. And I realize that pet owners are very keen to obtain this kind of information. We must raise the awareness that pets require care like children do. And this is an excellent comparison to, to perform uh, with pet owners. It, and it underscores the fact that I don't think many pet owners are aware of how critical veterinarians are to public health. It's not just about animal health with veterinarians. We also safeguard the public in a variety of ways. And so as pets become more and more part of our lives, they're in our house, in our kitchens, in our bedrooms, 
prevention becomes more and more important. And that includes things like parasites and different kinds of diseases that can actually be communicated from a dog to a member of the family, even your children. So that, that focus on prevention uh, becomes more and more important as that bond gets stronger and stronger. So I think some people um, may not be aware that that the livestock industry, especially beef and poultry, has long been the primary focus of animal health in Brazil. Now, how has that changed in, in recent years as pet ownership you know, continues its rapid growth? Mike, I think the livestock segment will always be relevant for Brazil. We are a big country with a huge area to plant vegetables, for example, grains and raise animals. Our climate is also very favorable. I, I like saying that there is no winter in most parts of my country. So livestock, poultry, swine, these businesses will always run in our veins. But now we have a more balanced situation and the companion animal segment is gaining field. And that has been a very fast recovery, in fact. This is um, uh, a very, uh, I think, very exciting time in veterinary medicine uh, worldwide. You know, as the industry continues to develop many new innovations that helps pets live longer, healthier lives. Now, um, uh, how is this innovation creating changes and opportunities for veterinary medicine in Brazil? Mike, looking back on the times I was a clinician, I remember seeing many pet owners not medicating their pets due to technical difficulties. Peeling a dog or peeling a cat was a nightmare. How many dogs got heartworm due to compliance issues? And we evolved a lot in that regard because the pharmaceutical industry has struggled to provide vets and their clients with solutions that can easily overcome hurdles. Long-acting products, for example, flavored tablets, there is a, a big package of solutions and many others are underway. And as a vet, I'm very proud of being part of this evolution. And I get even prouder when I realize that some cutting-edge medications in the human side are now available for dogs and cats. Monoclonal antibodies, for example, there is nothing more exciting for me, Mike. But it is not only about treating, Mike. I think industry has driven preventive care. And most pet owners know that the treatments are necessary. Otherwise, animals can die from any disease. But in my view, the awareness that prevention is better than treatment is far beyond what I consider the, the ideal scenario. Really, really good points, uh, Alex. And, and um, I, I humbly submit that in, in many ways, sometimes veterinary medicine does a better job focusing on prevention uh, than human medicine does. Um, it, it was uh, a critical aspect of our role as uh, protectors of public health for decades now to ensure livestock and pets are appropriately vaccinated uh, and parasite uh, infestations are prevented, et cetera, in large part because that could lead to illness downstream in the food chain or as 
uh, pet owners interact with their pets. So prevention has always been a critical area of focus. And another area that I think has been a very important development in veterinary medicine is the ability to bring diagnostics to the point of care. Our ability to diagnose many diseases and to do lab work on blood samples and tissue samples in our practices have results back in a matter of a handful of minutes. That even really surpasses what most people expect with their human doctor. You get diagnostics run and if you get a result in 48 hours, you're, you're pretty lucky. In veterinary medicine, a lot of our results are available in 15 to 20 minutes because it's right there in the same facility with us. So I, I think that is an exciting uh, opportunity for veterinary medicine and, and for, uh, for pet owners alike. Yeah, Mike, uh, there is a, a huge space for prevention and we must work as veterinarians to improve the situation, to educate the pet owners because most pet owners don't know that prevention is easier and that prevention is cheaper. So there is a long way until we can get the ideal situation, at least in my country. So when I think about the medicalization rates, 20% of dogs and cats are currently medicated, you know? So what about having 70%, 80%? So at the same time, that makes me feel, you know, a little bit bad because the situation is not the ideal one but on the other hand that excites me so uh, there is a lot to do in brazil regarding the veterinary medicine field and now alex we we've got monoclonal antibodies in, in veterinary medicine for the first time uh thanks in no small part to the investments that our company zoetis has made over the last several years are are brazilian veterinarians uh, excited to see some of these new innovations come on the scene of course mike they are very excited although many of them still don't know about the availability of these products you know most of them know monoclonal antibodies because a family member, you know, used a monoclonal antibody to treat a chronic disease. But when they know that the MEBs to control each or pain are available, they usually get very excited. And when they realize these products are available and they are not so as expensive as in the human side, they feel very excited to prescribe them for their patients. So uh, there is a long way to, to promote this kind of uh, new technology amongst veterinarians, but overall, they are usually very, very excited about that. That's great. So, so Alex, I really appreciated uh, our conversation today. You've provided a, a very interesting sort of insider's point of view of what veterinary medicine is like in, in Brazil. I think uh, a lot of people are going to be interested in that. And we're going to spend a lot of time over the next uh, several months visiting with uh, veterinarians like yourself in different uh, parts of the world. So thanks for giving us that inside look at, at Brazil. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Oh, Mike, thanks for having me. It was a huge pleasure. And you are already invited, you know, to visit Brazil. And all the colleagues across the world, if they wanted to visit Brazil, please reach out to me. I'm completely available to support your trip, you know, giving tips, you know, and indicating places to visit. So people will always be very welcome in Brazil. Thanks again, Alex, for those great insights into Brazil. 
Next episode, I continue my virtual world tour to Thailand, where I visit with Dr. Surya Chunakamrai, a veterinarian in Bangkok and the current president of the World Small Animal Veterinary Association. At Zoetis, our purpose is to nurture our world and humankind by advancing care for animals. I'm Dr. Mike McFarland, and I hope you'll join me at the next vet visit. <laughs>